Good morning. Whoa. Welcome to Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island. Before we begin worship, I have a few announcements. Do we have any first-time visitors here? If you do, please raise your hand so you can get a present. No? Okay. Well, then, if you're not a first-time visitor, you probably know we have a restroom back in the back corner. And there's friendship pads in the pew. Please remember to sign those. And we have a nursery next door for anyone with children six years and under. And there's a lot going on here this week. The Presbyterian women are going to meet tomorrow at 945. All women are welcome. Stitch Sisters meets on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Wednesday, we have family night supper at 6. Please bring a side to share, and fellowship will furnish the meat. Everyone is welcome. The Chimes Choir will meet on Thursday at 4, and the Adult Choir will meet on Thursday at 5. The flower chart is on the front porch today. Please consider signing up to, prov to provide flowers for Sunday worship this year. And please check your flash email for more information on these and other upcoming events. Please stand and join me in the call to worship. It's in your bulletin. The voice of God calls over the waters. Beloved, receive the Holy Spirit. 
the Son of God beckons. Beloved, be born of water and spirit. The Spirit of God proclaims. Beloved, be born anew this day. The voice of God calls through our baptism. Come, let us worship. We center ourselves for our opening prayer. Let us pray. Spirit of righteousness, God of power and might, help us be a light to the nations and a reflection of your glorious salvation. Work in our lives and in our ministries that the world might know the power of your love and grace. As you alight upon Jesus at his baptism, descend upon us this day that we may be a people of hope and possibility. Wash us clean and renew our spirits through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please remain standing as we sing in Christ Called to Baptize, printed in your bulletin. You may be seated. In just a few moments, we will hear in the Old Testament reading that those who know God and love God are called to righteousness. 
We are called through God to open the eyes of the blind, the scripture says, and to establish justice on earth. Yet time and time again, we turn away from this calling. We know that there is a better way than how we live, and we yearn for our lives to be made new, even as we confess our sins to God, who is our loving and merciful Redeemer. May we pray together the prayer of yearning. Gentle Spirit, Heavenly Dove, reclaim us through the waters of baptism as we long to be more than we have become. Remake us through the power of your love in our yearning to taste the fullness of life. Restore us through the wonder of your grace in our desire to live as your beloved children, make us instruments of your kingdom building, that we may be a light to the nations and a source of hope to those who sit in darkness. May we continue in silent confession. Amen. May we be upstanding for the assurance of pardon. Listen to the voice that calls forth creation, claims Jesus at his baptism, and speaks to us still. You are my beloved. Receive the Holy Spirit. Rest in this assurance and live in the Spirit. Amen. be seated. Hear these words for the prayer of elimination. Let us pray. Through the word, God has shown us what is pleasing and good. Christ has blessed us with a new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. We give our attention again, Lord, to your scriptures, that as we hear and live them, we may shine Christ's light for all to see. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. 
I have put my spirit in him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands waiting for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord that is my name, my glory. I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the word of the Lord. like to invite the children to come forward for our time together. Good morning. It's good to see some sleepy heads. Come down here, Grace. We're going to gather over here anyway. So today is called Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And on this Sunday, every single year, we read the story of Jesus being baptized. Did you know that Jesus was baptized? Yeah, you did. Do you think Jesus was baptized when he was just a baby in in Bethlehem? No. Do you think he was a teenager when he went to the temple? No. Jesus was an adult. He was about 30 years old when he was baptized by his cousin John in the River Jordan. And that's the story that we're getting ready to read today and celebrate. And we celebrate it every time that we celebrate baptism of the Lord Sunday. So one of the other things that we always do on this Sunday is that we remember our own baptism. Do you remember your baptism? If you were baptized, how many here, if you were baptized, do you remember being baptized? Look, whoa, lots of our friends have good memories. So a challenge for you today, hold your hands up again. Boys and girls, look, if, if you, after church today, I want you to ask one of these friends to tell you the story of their baptism that they remember. If you don't remember your baptism, um, you might have been baptized when you were a baby, And I want you to ask your parents if they will tell you that story. But likely a couple of things happened. I want you to come over to where I am. You've seen this every Sunday. It's always in our worship space. Do you know what it's called? A baptismal font. What's it called? A baptismal font. You got it. It's called a baptismal font. And that's just a fancy way to say this is where we come when we baptize our friends and people in the church. And when we open it up on a Sunday morning, you can look in. There's nothing in it right now. And what I often will do during the service is I'll pour water into it 
You want to help me pour, Jake? You don't have to. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, and you did it perfectly. Great. Perfect. So we put water in this baptismal font, and as ministers, we are instructed to use the water freely and visibly. What does that mean? I know. We, that, that's exactly what it means. It means we spill it all over the place because we shouldn't be afraid to get wet when we are baptized. That's exactly right. So when we come to the font, we pour water into it, and we put our hands in it, and we, put, we get water everywhere. See, it's okay. It's okay. You can get wet. <laughs> we get wet with this water because we believe that water is a very important symbol. It's a symbol of something that God has already done, but we claim in our baptism. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, he didn't have a baptismal font like this. He, he went into a river, so he got really wet, didn't he? When he was baptized and when he was coming up out of the water, it says the heavens opened up and the Spirit descended like a dove and rested upon Jesus, and people heard the voice of God say, This is my Son, the Beloved with whom I am well pleased. And we believe that the same thing happens to us in our own baptism. When we come to this font and we get messy with this water, it's a symbol of what God is doing in our lives. First of all, washing us clean of our sin, but putting God's spirit upon us, that, that dove descending upon us and saying, this is my beloved son or daughter, with whom I am well pleased. So this water is an important symbol of the sealing of God's Holy Spirit. So we shouldn't be afraid to get a little bit wet, right? So in just a minute, we're going to hear that story of Jesus' baptism. But today and this week, your challenge is to ask your parents about your own baptism, have them tell you the story if you don't know it, or find a friend here and ask them to tell you about their special experience with baptism. Can you do that? Okay, let's hold hands around the font and we'll have a special prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this water used freely and visibly to help remind us of the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for our baptism and our call to follow Jesus Christ. We love you. Amen. And I got your hands a little bit more wet, didn't I? Yeah. You could return to your seats. Thank you.
with the scripture having been proclaimed in song, let us hear now once again to scripture proclaimed in word. The gospel reading according to Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Let us pray. Lord, as your voice spoke at Jesus' baptism, Speak once more to us this day. May your voice, strong and majestic, make clear our true identity as your beloved. And may it unleash in us the spirit of adventure and desire to proclaim your good news of justice, mercy, and love throughout all the earth. Amen. Back in November... After our family night supper that month, Cherie led us in a hymn sing using music from the Glory to God hymnal. Glory to God, as we've told you before, is the new Presbyterian hymnal, which was commissioned by the PCUSA and published back in 2013, which is now nine years ago. The blue edition of the Presbyterian hymnal, which is what is in your pew, was the new Presbyterian hymnal back in 1990. Prior to that was the Maroon hymnal from 1974, and I'm sorry to say I can't go any further back than that. So roughly, new hymnals come out about once every generation. You may have noticed in the last year or so that we've had hymn inserts in the bulletin like what you see today. And these hymns are from the Glory to God hymnal. The Glory to God hymnal contains 853 hymns, psalms, and songs for worship. And of those 853, about 400 of them are remaining from the blue Presbyterian hymnal. So it includes most of those familiar songs that we sing at PCEI. However, in addition, there are more than 450 other songs. Of the additional songs, many are from older Presbyterian hymnals and songbooks. For example, I love to tell the story, Rock of Ages, Shall We Gather at the River, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and We Are All One in Spirit. These are all in older books, but have returned to glory of God. Now, because they were not in the blue Presbyterian hymnal, which I grew up with, I don't really know them that well, but I imagine many of you are probably familiar with some of these titles as well as others that have been re-included. Now, the other additional songs are relatively new in general. 
either newly written by current composers or even borrowed from other cultures and traditions. I've personally been using the Glory to God hymnal for about the last five years, and I've learned a lot from it. I've enjoyed learning some of the new-to-me music, whether it's actually an old hymn that I didn't grow up with or if it's a newly written piece, or I've really enjoyed some of the world pieces that we've incorporated into Sundays like World Communion. The opening hymn that we sang today is one of those newer hymns. It was written in 1995, but it wasn't sung until 1997. This is because it was a commissioned piece for something very specific. It was commissioned to be used for the Lutheran World Federation gathering of that year, 1997. This was when a global community of Lutheran churches joined together to work towards a just, peace, peaceful, and reconciled world. This gathering took place in Hong Kong, and their theme or focus was in Christ called to witness. In Christ called to witness. And you'll see that that's the beginning of the third stanza, which reads, in Christ called to witness by grace, we will preach the life-giving gospel, God's love, we will teach. By grace, may our living give proof to our praise and costly compassion reflecting Christ's ways. That's what we just sung. These new words were set to an old familiar tune and sung throughout this gathering in Hong Kong. The editors of the New Glory to God hymnal have selected this newer hymn from the Lutheran tradition, and I'm grateful that they've added it. First, I love Immortal Invisible, which is the hymn tune that we most associate with this music. So right when I heard that organ music begin, I felt a sense of remembrance, of connection, of joy, as I reflected upon something that I knew. But then the new words, the words of all four verses ring so true with meaning and implication for our worship, our celebration of the sacraments and our communal life together as we witness to Christ. This hymn fits perfectly with what we're lifting up in worship today. Baptism of the Lord celebrates our sacrament of welcome, of homecoming, of washing, of receiving the Spirit, where we are made and claimed as a people of water and Spirit. In baptism, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we all share in Christ's death and then rise to new life just as the choir just sang, and just as verse 1 of the hymn rings out. And today we also celebrate the ordination and installation of new officers or leaders in our congregation. These are leaders who have answered Christ's call to witness to their faith, to witness as they guide us, empower us, 
and charge us to use our gifts that we have all been given as we fulfill our baptismal vows. And these are the themes that we see in verse 4 of this hymn. So really, I guess, in a sense, our opening hymn today is our sermon. It's preaching better about banquet and baptism and witness and our response to Christ's call than I ever could. And really, all the hymns that we sing not only provide wonderful, a wonderful musical element for our worship, but they guide us in theology and practice and understanding as we celebrate the truths that they witness to in Scripture. One of the reasons that I like having the words of each hymn printed in the bulletin is so that I can continue to reflect and read over them throughout the service and even take it home with me and ponder them as God continues to speak through them. So today I am thankful for Ruth Duck's new words to an old tune that we find in Glory to God. Okay, so that's sermon number one. We've got two parts today. Sermon number one, the opening hymn. For a second take on our scripture today, I want to share with you a story that was told by Javier Vieira. Now, I told the children that we lift up this same story from a different gospel every single year for baptism of the Lord's Sunday. Um, I've been a minister now for 16 years, so that means 16 times I've preached on this lectionary text. And as many times as I've read and studied the baptism of Jesus from the Gospels, as many times as I've celebrated baptism with you all in worship, Vera writes about an aspect of this sacrament that I had never considered before, as he tells the story of a Frenchman whose name, and this is a true story, his name is René Lebouvier. René Lebouvier was a 71-year-old man who sought to be de-baptized, and he formally petitioned the French church officials to annul or invalidate his baptism. It's an interesting story. And Vera says that René had been raised in a very religious family. His mother had dreams that one day he might even become a priest. Yet in the 1970s, like many of his counterparts, René dared to explore intellectually beyond the confines of his strict Catholic religious community and upbringing. And for him, that was the beginning of the end as far as his faith was concerned. Now, after years of attempting to have his name removed from the church rolls and baptismal records, Mr. Le Bouvier learned that this simply was not possible. So he then decided to take the church to court. And a magistrate found in his favor, but the church appealed. It was not possible to erase history, they argued, nor to deny that a sacred rite had taken place. Vows and eternal declarations had been made. It was done. You see, baptism is more than simply a rite of passage or a religious ceremony. It's one of life's defining threshold-crossing moments. 
It's a destiny moment when, whether you've chosen it for yourself or not, you were declared God's beloved and marked as Christ's own forever, as the liturgy so poetically states. So nothing you can do, even renouncing your faith, can nullify that. This is why baptism is such a serious thing in the church. Because in baptism, we claim that everything changes. That's what happened at Jesus' own baptism. It was literally a heaven's opening moment. Imagine Jesus as Matthew depicts him. He's curious, searching, he's insightful, and maybe a bit precocious. And being spiritually adventurous, he decided to go down by the river where so many others were flocking to hear his relative John preach a fiery message. And they were being baptized into a new relationship with God, being made people of water and spirit. There is so much that we cannot know about that day and what motivated John to Jesus to join John and the others, but... What we do know is that at the moment of his baptism, everything changed. He went down to the river that day, searching, longing, open, and he came back a changed man. Jesus discovered or had it confirmed his true identity and the true nature of his relationship with God. And the church has always claimed that in baptism, The same is true for us. This is why Mr. Le Bouvier cannot be de-baptized. What happened to him as a child in baptism had the essence of God in it, regardless of how broken the institution that celebrated this truth might be, and regardless of Mr. Le Bouvier's later rejection of God's eternal declaration for his life. The good news about our God is that it is God's choice to love us so fully and to claim us eternally. We may try to reject the truth that we are a people of water and spirit, but God does not reject us. Instead, God calls us again and again through the waters of our baptism, again and again calls us anew and reminds us of our true identity as a people of water and spirit. Like our hymn declares, God unites us in the spirit of love and equips us for service and witness. Implied, in the ordination and installation of officers implied in our baptism is that our baptism alone is sufficient for our calling because in our baptism, God has put God's spirit upon us. The symbol may be water, but the seal is by Christ. And that cannot be taken from us. Therefore, we proclaim in Christ, called to witness, by grace, we will preach 
the life-giving gospel, God's love we will teach. By grace may our living give proof to our praise in costly compassion, reflecting Christ's ways. This is the word and promise upon our hearts in baptism. And this is the calling to which our baptism brings us. Let us move into a time of ordination and installation, during which we will have an opportunity for all of us to reaffirm our own baptism in which we share in Christ as we celebrate the gifts of those who have chosen, have been chosen, and have agreed to serve us in this special way. So I now ask that our clerk of session, Linda Manus, join me in the chancel for this time of ordination and installation. Representing the Congregation of the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island, I present David Williams for ordination and installation, and Betty Bryan and Angie Easterland as candidates for installation. Will the candidates please come forward? As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is one, one body and one spirit, one spirit. Just, just as, as we, we were called to the one hope of our calling. In baptism, David, Betty, and Angie were clothed with Christ and are now called upon by God through the voice of this church to enter into ministries of service and governance announcing in word and deed the good news of Jesus Christ. We remember with joy our common calling to serve Christ, and we celebrate God's particular call to our sister and brothers. Um, David, I love that you're so eager, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> no, my, my apology. I, I put it there for later use, um, but, but this is... Um, Hear these words, a statement of ordination and installation. There are a variety of gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving God, but it is the same Lord who is served. God works through each person in a unique way, but it is God's purpose being accomplished. To each is given the Spirit to use for the common good. And together, we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are called into the church of Jesus Christ through our baptism. We are marked as Christ's own by water and spirit. This is our common calling to be disciples and servants of our Lord, 
within the community of the church. Some are called to particular services as deacons, as elders, as ministers of word and sacrament. Ordination is Christ's gift to the church, assuring that his ministry continues among us, providing for ministries of care and compassion in the world, ordering the governance of the church, and preaching the word and administering the sacraments. Representing the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island ordains David today as an elder and then installs David, Betty, and Angie to the office of ruling elder. Friends, ordination calls the whole church to a renewed commitment and reminds us all to bear gladly the yoke of Christ given in the covenant of baptism. Therefore, I charge and challenge you today to consider to reaffirm your baptismal vows that you see printed in the bulletin. Do you, the congregation, renounce evil and its power in the world, and trusting in the gracious mercy of God, turn from power, from the power of sin? Do you? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? Do you? Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? Will you? Let us all now stand together as we affirm the faith in which we are called. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. The constitutional questions for ordination are the same as the constitutional questions for installation, so we will do these all together. Friends, you have heard these before, but I now ask you to proclaim your answers together with us today. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior? Acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? Do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Do you and will you? Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you? 
Will you be governed by our church's polity? And will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbor, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? Will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? Will you be a faithful ruling elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in the government and discipline, share, sharing in governing bodies of the church and in your ministry? Will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? Do we, the members of the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island, accept David, Betty, and Angie as our ruling elders, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation, to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? We do. Do we agree to encourage them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is the head of our church? We do. Ordination is something that happens just once in our Reformed understanding. In such, once a person is ordained, they or are ordained for life, though there might be occasions where they are actively or inactively serving in that capacity of their ordination, be it as a deacon, an elder, or a minister of word and sacrament. Today we have the great joy of sharing among our congregation the ordination of David Williams. And as a way to proclaim and to symbolize the connectionalism that we share as not just officers and members of the church, but share as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, one of the special things that we do during ordination is we ask the candidate to kneel. And anyone who has received ordination within the church is invited to come forward and we lay hands upon this elder candidate for ordination. So at this time, I ask David to kneel. And anyone who is an ordained deacon or elder or minister of word and sacrament, I ask that you come forward. And we will lay our hands upon David. And if we can't reach David, we will lay our hands upon the person closest to us. Try not to push on you. <laughs> lift, we'll lift you up, right? All right, everyone's got a hand? Let's pray. God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit upon David that he may feel the connectionalism, may feel the support may feel the love and encouragement of all those who have come before him and are gathered around him this day. May David and Betty and Angie be your faithful ruling elders in this church. 
We ask that you give to David prudence and sound judgment, wisdom and courage to order the life of the church in obedience to your word, that you nourish all of our elders in the life of the Holy Spirit, that they may exercise the ministry of discipline with humility and compassion. Guide them in governance on this session and in every court of the church, that they may be servant leaders following Christ who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life to set others free. Give David and Betty and Angie joy in their walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for the work of ministry. We thank you that in baptism alone, our calling has begun. You call us, you equip us. Join us all together in faith even as we join our own voices together in prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, David, you may rise. Friends, you may share a sign of Christian greeting with our newly ordained and installed officers. David, you are now ordained as an elder in the PCUSA. And with Betty and Angie, you three are now installed in the Church of Jesus Christ and in this particular congregation as an elder in class 2025. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the love of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, God gives us not only Genesis, the beginning of all life, but offers us new life in Christ, born of repentance, forgiveness, and resurrection. Therefore, with generous hearts, let us give back a portion of what has already been given to us in our baptismal baptismal covenant with God. Let us give to each other.
Be in these gifts we bring to you, O God, as you are ever in the gift of our baptism. Renew your people through this offering as you have renewed us with your presence this day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our closing hymn is printed in your bulletin. Let us sing together, Go to the World. Friends, rejoice in the glory of your baptism each and every day. Let your spirit soar like eagles, but be as gentle as doves. Go to the world to announce the glory of our God. Amen.